telling where you'll end up. Can you make it through? To the night's end. Damn it. I swear we've already been past these trees before. These stories spit us out in random places. Jimmy and friend, you're back. Indeed we are, but in the wrong spot. What are you looking for? The church. We started sending some of the people we have been finding there as a safe place to be whilst we collect the seals. We have now found out that Alexander burnt the townsfolk alive. Yes, I remember. Raven Down's darkest day. You were there? Yes, and no. I was out of town, following up a lead on the High Priestess, and I saw smoke coming from the direction of town. There was screaming on the wind. No god. There was no god that day. By the time I got to the church, the screaming had died and the fire was completely consuming the building. I tried to get in the front doors. Not sure why I was doing it. Maybe some deep hope that I could save at least one person. All I managed to do was burn my hands. Wow. Yes. I no longer have feelings in my hands because of the nerve endings being destroyed. Did Alexander burn as well? No. He slipped out the back like a snake. Nathaniel, we must get back there as soon as possible. Yes. This realm is ever-changing. Nothing will be in the same place for very long. Follow that path there for a time and you'll find what you're looking for. Thank you. I must go. There's a sighting of my family. Good luck. Didn't he say his family were killed? Quickly, friend. Let's go. The Boxborn Wraith. Written by Kevin Anderson. Narrated by Mike Ricard. Not like this, Chow, Benny pleaded. Just shoot me, please. Chow shook his head. You know I can't, Ben. The boss was very specific. Now get in the damn box. Benny gazed at the six-foot-long wooden crate at the bottom of the shallow grave. It looked to be hurried work, all imperfect corners and protruding nails. Chow's men weren't carpenters. They were killers. This box, with all its imperfections, buried in the middle of an old graveyard, was Benny's coffin. He knew it was pointless to be, but didn't know what else to do. Please, Chow, not alive. Don't bury me alive. 
Jump down there, you skimming bastard, or I'm gonna blow your kneecaps off. Chow aimed his gun at Benny's legs. If you don't panic, you got about 24 hours of air. You wanna spend that time in agony? Benny considered for a second. But before he decided, one of Chow's men pushed him in. He landed on his hands and feet and stood up fast, the top of the grave coming to his chest. Benny's heart pounded, and even in the cool October night, sweat matted his black hair. Chow knelt. You know, the boss owns this old boneyard. Bought it a year back when the last vacancy filled. He thought it'd be a nice place to bury the trash. You'll be the first. Benny looked out at the sea of gravestones jutting up from a thin layer of fog as orange moonlight shimmered off a hundred forgotten epitaphs. The only terrestrial source of light came from the porches outside the cemetery. Jack-o'-lanterns burned brightly in the surrounding neighbourhood, and as Benny was about to start begging again, he caught a glint of movement. Chow saw it too, and Benny felt the muzzle of the revolver pressed up to his jaw. Go ahead, Ben. Call out. Benny gazed at the trick-or-treaters skipping along the sidewalk outside the cemetery, a small group of parents in tow. Make one sound, and I'll blow your mouth clean off. And then, I'll have to go kill some kids. You don't want to go down like that, Ben. And I ain't in no mood to kill kids. Benny opened his mouth and Chow leaned closer. Then, when that is done, Maybe I go pay a visit to your house, Benny boy. Say hi to that nice wife and kid of yours. Is he out trick-or-treating tonight? Benny grabbed Chow's collar. Stay away from my family, you son of a bitch! Chow pointed the gun into Benny's grave. Get in the box and they'll be fine. Benny knew far too well that Chow didn't make threats. He made promises. The sadistic pig would have no problem abusing his family while Benny slowly suffocated. Sighing, he let his hands fall to his side and gazed down at the place where he was meant to die. It was cold, hard and dark. Atta boy, now lie down and let's get this done. Benny lowered himself into the box and the darkness swept over him like a blanket. Chow, let me have a light. Chow kicked some dirt into the grave, landing on Benny's chest. Won't change nothing. I don't want to die in the dark. Chow pulled a flashlight from his back pocket and tossed it down. We'll all die in the dark, Benny. Fumbling with the flashlight, Benny pulled it to his chest as Chow's men threw down the lid. One of them jumped in the hole with hammer and nails. Benny placed his hands on the lid as it was slid into place, then he lifted his head and peered through the cracks. Chow stood, holstered his gun, and turned to go. Hey Chow? Benny called. Yeah. Benny clenched his teeth. If I ever see you again... Chow smiled. You won't. Benny closed his eyes as the first nail was put into place. He managed to make it through the hammering, staying calm, retreating into thoughts of his wife and son. But when the dirt fell in loud clumps, Benny started to lose control. His body shook, and he started pounding, then clawing at the lid. 
wooden shards broke loose and stabbed the tender skin under his nails. Blood ran down his fingers as the sound of falling dirt became distant, replaced by the creaking of the wooden coffin. He placed his hands flat on the lid, realising it was bowing inward from the weight of the dirt. He started to laugh, thinking that the lid might implode and crush him. But after a few silent moments, Benny realised he wasn't going to be that lucky. The smell of earth, sweat and freshly cut wood filled his nostrils as he tried to take slow breaths. The sounds of his breathing bounced around the box like a trapped bat, amplifying his panic, feeding his dread. Benny tried to occupy his mind and not think about his itching neck or his aching legs. He desperately wanted to bend his knees, just for a few seconds, and the fact that he couldn't was maddening. He pounded the lid with his fists and screamed, then he heard the faint sounds of someone sobbing. As he pressed his forehead to the top of the box, he realised it was him. His echoing cries continued for twenty minutes, then, energy spent, he passed out. He awoke with a jolt and smacked his head on unforgiving wood, an instant reminder that the nightmare about being buried alive hadn't been a nightmare. He moved the light to check his watch. Just past midnight. He'd been buried for four hours. Twenty hours to go. I can do this. Just make it through the next twenty hours without losing my mind and... A distant sound seized his attention. Benny held his breath, straining to hear it again. He pressed his ear to the lid and there it was again. A faint digging sound. Someone was digging. I'm in. He tried to call out, but his previous screams had strained his voice. It had to be Chow digging him up, Benny thought. Maybe the boss just wanted to teach him a lesson. It seemed a bit extreme, but the digging got closer. Or maybe it was teenagers on a dare, digging up a fresh grave. Yeah, that might be it. It's the kind of Halloween stunt he'd have pulled as a kid. Benny pounded on the lid again. Here! I'm in here! But even before the echo of his voice had faded, he noticed something wrong with the sounds of dirt being moved. It was getting closer, more hurried, and seemed only a few feet away. But the closer it got, the more wrong it seemed. It wasn't until Benny turned his head and pressed an ear to the bottom of the box that he realised what it was. The digging wasn't coming from above. It was coming from below. Oh, Jesus, Benny cried, gripping the flashlight, shining its beam around the box. He could feel dirt fall away beneath him, the bottom of the box sagging downward, hanging over a black hole in the earth. Something scraped on the bottom and Benny jumped. He squirmed, trying to roll on his side, but before he did, something clawed its way down the length of the coffin. Benny froze. Taking a deep breath, he turned his head to the side, aiming the light into the widest seam in the box. The beam bounced off a dirt wall, and he saw deep claw marks on its surface. He could hear movement outside, accompanying his panicked breathing, but every time he chased it down with the flashlight, there was nothing. Then, like earworms caressing his skin, he felt warm air on the back of his neck as something very close exhaled. Pulse pounding, he whirled around, eyes wide. 
and was terrified to see something from outside glaring in. Large white eyes with thick eyelids of pale skin blinked and then narrowed curiously. Benny kicked the box. Get away! He reared for another kick, but a dozen clawed hands burst through the box, seized his limbs and pulled him, screaming, downward. His head slammed hard onto the dirt as bits of wood rained down around him. He blinked a few times and got his focus, instantly wishing he hadn't. A dozen golf ball-sized eyes set inside hideous faces surrounded him. Before Benny took a breath, he felt clawed hands grab his shirt. The creature pulled Benny's face in close, sniffing him through a pair of slits below its wide eyes. It howled angrily and pushed him away. Some of the other creatures moved away in revulsion. Some looked angry, and one just stared astonished. Sitting up, Benny studied his captors. Their long arms allowed them simian-like movements, reaching forward on worn knuckles and swinging their legs underneath. If it wasn't for their noseless faces and the bald skin that hung off them like a sharpie, Benny would have thought them hairless chimpanzees. A few of the creatures wore clothes, not for function but more as decoration. He cringed in horror, recognising several popular tattoo patterns on their garments, realising their clothes were fashioned from human skin. Benny was shoved toward a torch-lit corridor, and as the small group started to move, he had to stay crouched in the four-foot-high passage, which was the perfect size for its inhabitants. Stumbling along the descending tunnel, Benny was prodded from behind with a blow every few minutes. He could hear them talking in a language he'd never heard before, but the tone was unquestionably angry. Suddenly, he emerged into an enormous gymnasium-sized chamber, coffins stacked like bleachers lined the walls. The seats were filled with females of the species and hordes of their brood. As he walked past, the smaller eyes of the young ones glazed over with hunger, stared at him, disappointment flashing over their gaunt faces. The scene reminded Benny of pictures of starving children, bloated stomachs ripe with malnutrition. A tall, thin female wearing human teeth around her neck like a pearl necklace emerged from behind a pile of discarded jewellery, watches and gold fillings. She walked toward Benny holding a staff constructed of bone. The others cleared a path and Benny tried to stand up straight. She tapped his chest with the staff and then placed a hand over his heart. Benny felt it beat faster at her touch. She shook her head then turned to her people and spoke in their strange language. They didn't like what she had to say. Commotion exploded around the room. Some yelled with rage, some sobbed. The one that had grabbed him earlier pushed to the front and started yelling. He held a broken femur like a dagger and thrust it up and down. The female jabbed her staff into the dirt defiantly. The larger male took a step back with a slight bow but then roared savagely and lunged at Benny. Benny brought his hands up as the creature landed on his chest. Swinging a fist, Benny connected with the side of its bald head. It fell back, howling like an enraged ape, then came again, this time with teeth. Benny heard a crunch and screamed as it bit into his wrist. Feeling teeth touching bone, he knew he only had seconds before he lost his hand. 
He pulled with all his strength, wildly thrashing and kicking at his attacker, but the creature suddenly let go. It stumbled back, gagging. Benny's blood splattered on its face. It gasped for air, grabbed its throat, then fell to the dirt floor. Its tiny legs twitched, and then it lay still, dead. Before Benny could check his wound, the female pulled him up, dragged him to the rear of the chamber, and threw an opening. Crouching, Benny whirled around and saw her wave the bone staff at the doorway. In an instant, the opening to the room vanished, replaced by a wall of dirt. Thinking it safe for the moment, Benny examined his wrist. To his astonishment, he wasn't even bleeding. The cuts were deep, but there was no pain. It's like he was looking at a wound on someone else's body. The female moved past him and Benny gazed around the room, noticing the familiarity of his new surroundings in an instant. It had a high cathedral ceiling, pews made of coffins, and a podium of mud and bone. Beyond was an altar, decorated with elaborate hieroglyphs. The creatures were depicted carrying coffins, worshipping them, and feasting on the contents. Life, the female said. The boxes are life. Benny's head was spinning, but he started to understand. A word floated around in his mind for a few moments, seemingly searching for a sane place to land. When sanity seemed unavailable, he finally just said it. Ghouls. Boxes empty for so long, she said. Her speech laboured as if struggling for every syllable. Then you... You eat the dead to live, Benny said, more to himself than his saviour. Remembering what happened to the one that had just bit him, he knew why they couldn't consume him alive. Living blood was poisonous. But why not just kill me and eat me after, he said. I mean, your ghouls... She thrust the staff past the altar toward a mud statue of a female, arms spread wide, reaching for the surface. The mother forbids, must not make dead. Mother forbids, Benny repeated. Well, don't that beat all. The ghoul's got religion. He looked into her huge eyes as an idea erupted in his mind. I think you and I can work this out. Benny pointed up. You send me back up there and I'll fill your boxes. Man, oh man, will I fill your boxes. Benny saw the female smile, a yellow, jagged tooth grin, and he knew she understood. Benny clawed his way out of the ground through a narrow hole in the earth the female ghoul had created with a thrust of her staff. Flopping down on the cemetery grass, he took air deep into his lungs, the cold night invigorating every muscle in his body. He rolled over and looked at his wound. It still didn't hurt, and he'd almost forgotten about it. The tears in the flesh seemed only scratches, and beneath he could feel the muscle pulse with an energy he'd never felt before. There was a tingle on his scalp, and he ran his fingers through his hair. Thick black strands fell away. He looked at the clumps in his hands, sighing. Small price to pay, he said with a grin. Benny took a deep breath and then jumped to his feet with a simian's grace. He felt strong, hungry and ready to make good on a promise. He didn't know what he was becoming, 
but he did know that Chow was going to be the first to find out. You've been listening to the Night's End podcast, which is a production of Dissonance Media. The Boxborn Wraith was written by Kevin David Anderson. To learn more about Kevin, go to his website at kevindavidanderson.com or head over to his Amazon author page where you can buy some of his work, such as Night of the Living Trekkies and Midnight Men, The Supernatural Adventures of Earl and Dale. This episode was narrated by Mike Ricard from the Stories of Strangeness podcast where Mike and Zoe discuss all things on the topics of paranormal, folklore, cryptids, hauntings and more. To check it out, head over to storiesofstrangeness.com or find it wherever you listen to your podcasts. Nathaniel was performed by Brian Jeans. Jimmy Horrors was performed by James Barnett. This episode was edited and produced by James Barnett. If you enjoyed this episode, please support us by leaving a review and a five-star rating. Or you could even tell a friend about us who you think would be interested in scary stories. Exposure is what keeps us going. And as always, stay horrific, everyone.